Hillary, thank you so much for joining me today. It's good to have you here. So I guess we got a lot to talk about. And just looking around the room, we've got a lot to fabrics and designs and ideas. Um, so we'll start way at the beginning and work our way forward. Where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born in Calcutta, India. Um, I don't know if I should tell you the date. Was, uh, <laughs> Calcutta, India, that's a good start. That's okay. a good start, yeah, right. Now, why were you in Calcutta, India? My father worked for his master's voice, which was EMI, okay. the original EMI. And he used to record music for them as well around India. He was an electrical engineer and recorder. So... So he got a job in, in uh, the a, UK, and they shipped him over there? Or? Yes. He okay. first went to Berlin, then Paris, and then India. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're in India. So how long were you in India for? I was in India, well, we used to come back every two and a half years, except okay. during the war, because I was born in 1940, okay. November 1940. Uh, so he would work out there, then we'd come back for six months when he would check up with their head office, all the new developments, and then go back again for another two and a half years. Okay, so how... So and I left when I was 16, just over 16 and a half. Oh, so you stayed there till... Okay, so you, you grew up. I mean, you spent I grew a lot up number there, of years. Okay. school there, yes. Wow. Yes. So was there a lot of people... Was there a lot of English... At the there, same time, same place. I mean, there are a lot of English. When yes. during the war, he became he was sent up as a captain to the northwest frontier province, okay. Abbottabad, where Bin Laden was killed. Yes, and um, so I was literally just just born then and spent four years up in the northwest frontier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so I guess so. Who, so after you're 16, then you moved to. Then I moved back to London. Okay. Now, did you have? I mean, did you have friends that were already in London, or was it just no, starting just all over? Some, my father's uh, sister, a couple of sisters. Okay, so you're 16, living in London. Yes, um, and my mother decided not to go back with him to Calcutta, but to stay with me so that I could go to college. So just what. What memories do you have then of like growing up in Calcutta? What was that like? Um, I mean, at the I time, it's all you knew, but I mean, yeah. what, you know. Oh, I loved it. You know, I went to um, a convent school okay. um, where probably the 10% or 15% were white girls. And everybody else was something else, you know. So really diverse background. I mean, very just diverse. all kinds of cultures, and, all kinds and, of... you know, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists. Right. Um, terrific. Actually, I think it's helped me in life a lot because I feel very open with everybody. Well, yeah, I suppose that'd be an amazing experience. Yeah. I mean, just... Yeah. And that's what you just grew up accepting that. That's of just course. That's life, yes. right? Yes. So, yes. so. So you grew up in that, and then you then you moved to London, and uh, your mom says, "Hey, I've had enough for staying here." So you stay there. Then then what do you do? Um, I she went back. Um, I they first put me into um, uh, Ealing Polytechnic, an art school. So of course I didn't. My father wanted to be, me to be a secretary. I spent my life in the art school. <laughs> and so, so so why art school though? Is that were you, early in life, were you just drawn to that, or that was I, kind of your thing? Or I was drawing dresses when I was about six. Okay. Okay, so, so paper we're... dolls with dress, millions of dresses. So you just took it serious. Yes. <laughs> you were into it, yeah. Uh, and then I sort of got involved in the fashion school. Then I went to Hammersmith, who had a very good fashion department. Uh, Sophie went back, my mother went back to India. 
Uh, and I then, um, a woman called Joanne Brogdon, who was the fashion uh, school head, said to me, you must try and get into Royal College of Art. So um, I took the test and, and uh, I was fortunate. Um, they had 12 people were taken out of about 140 and I got in. So I was very pleased. <laughs> so what is, um, what is the curriculum like that? For the Royal College of Art, Royal like. College um, is. I took the fashion design. Okay, so you can yes. kind of veer off. Oh and yes, different. You, okay. Yes, um, at uh, Hammersmith we had to do uh, ordinary um, art school activities, drawing people and things, as well as some fashion. But but uh, Royal College was just fashion. So by this point, you'd had quite a few years or a few years of training. Oh, before, yes. before this, so oh, this yes. was. Yes. So, so you're at the uh, College of Art, and you are in fashion. What, what, would you start working on then? Um, th I went to Paris for. I won a Royal Society of Arts bursary as well. I might as well say it, um, and was made a fellow because I was under twenty-one. Uh, and then I went to work for Dior in Paris for. I was there about nine months. Um, they paid me virtually nothing, but yeah. I, so you're living in Paris off nothing. Yes, it's like a dream to a lot of people well, right there right now in, I, in the fashion industry. I got very thin, <laughs> <laughs> living in a garret and very thin. And my then boyfriend came over. We eventually we married in Paris and then came back to England. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So now we're we're in the early '60s at this point. Yes, early okay. '60s. Yes. So you're you're living in London. You are. You've gone through college at this point? You're I'd, yes. Then I got a, a job for a company called Dorville, who did sort of up-end wholesaling uh, women's wear and did the Miss Dorville collection, which they were a very boring company. I got very bored with it, actually. And then, um, I don't know, I, I was upset about something or other there. And um, I thought, I will start my own business. Mm -hmm. um, so my father said, you're going to fail. So I didn't speak to him for three months. Uh, <laughs> and, I, I like the stubbornness, by the way. Right. I, I like and a girlfriend of mine was going out with a banker. She was an actress. And so I went to see him, a man called Jack Delal, who became extremely wealthy in the end. But he, he said to me, if you find a thousand pounds, which in those days was a lot of yeah. money, uh, I will lend you a thousand pounds. Okay, so you gotta have some skin in the game. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so I hustled mm -hmm. everybody I knew with promises to give it back um, and got the thousand and I think he was quite shocked because I turned up something like three weeks later clutching well, my, you weren't gonna fail, my money. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you your father wrong and you know, you yeah. could do it, right? This is your thing, yeah, yes. exactly. So, All right. so, so now, you're, now you've got two thousand pounds. In, yeah, in, and in, a bank account. In right. a bank account, so okay, yes. then what? Uh, and so I was living in a semi-basement flat, which was quite big. So I converted uh, two rooms into a workroom, workroom and a little stockroom. Um, and the first things I did were a few dresses, and I got involved with people who could print PVC. Okay. And it was very new. It's when Mary Quant first was making PVC, but she hadn't printed it. Um, and this this actually launched me. Um, and and that is a raincoat. Okay. 
raincoat. Um, girl called Sally Jess made bags. James Wedge made these little hats. <laughs> and it actually just um, took off. It, um, so your first product was a hit. It went bang. And of course, I was in the situation that once something goes bang, it was in the Sunday Times and the mail and everything. And um, I'd got a couple of boutiques and um, Selfridges and, and Harrods. Harrods was my main okay, person. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I thought, good God, well, how do I make it? Right. <laughs> how do I make all this stuff, you know? Um, so, I mean, and then I found a factory in the East End of a load of Greeks, and, uh, I mean, that was chaotic. You know? So you went out, okay, so you have your design, and, and what you'd been able to make had already sold, is that kind of, and you know you needed to make more? I needed to make a lot. So then, so then now you're in a process <laughs> of trying to find a business, I mean, a factory that can make your product for you. That's right. And so what was that like? What that was that was going? horrendous. Did you, I mean, did you know this place or did you just kind of just I, walk out? I, I found it. Okay, okay, <laughs> I found it. And they were, they could make the plastic. I, I remember going there one day and all the white linings were on the floor, you know, okay. as the girls were sewing them and throwing them on the floor. I remember going absolutely bananas, you know, I couldn't believe it. Um, but, you know, we sold, sold a lot, um, I uh, had some problems because I made the arms so narrow, which was very fashionable, and, of mm -hmm. course, a few split in the armholes. Then I'd get them back, and but the girls didn't want a, re a return. They wanted them fixed. So, what, what a good so, problem to have, yeah. So we were using the equivalent of duct tape around the back of the armholes and stitching them up again. Yeah, because you, know. you couldn't just stitch <laughs> the raincoats to back together. Well, with duct tape in between, you know. So... So what, okay, so what was that like at that time? I mean, and obviously my, my ignorance will come through many times, but at, what, at, that, at that time in the industry, I mean, was there a lot of other small businesses like Lots another? Lots of small Okay, was there a lot people. of women trying to do what you were doing too? Well, yes, uh, Sally Tuffin and Marion Phil, these people, girl-making bags. Okay, so it was, it was this creative... It was a very creative, exciting time. It was in the mid-60s. Yeah, what was, what was London like then? We're talking about... Fun. <laughs> Yes. I feel there's more to that fun, fun. than just fun. It was fun, you know. And I mean, the Beatles were all happening too. And, um, right. And um, everything was exciting, actually. And, um, and your business... Very creative. Everyone was creative around one. You and know. so you're in a, in a basement apartment, essentially, mm -hmm. and you are designing and... Making... You got a hit on your hands. Right. Wow, okay. So then, so then what, what happens? So then... Um, I, I continued, obviously, I had then to make another collection because people want stuff. And I did a couple more uh, interesting raincoats myself with different forms of prints and stuff. And then I was approached by um, a company called Packamac, who made raincoats, rainwear. And I was exhausted with manufacturing it, actually. Mm -hmm. So I s thought, okay, I'll carry on doing my dresses. I can get those made. And I handed over, and I did quite a big collection for Packamac. 
So what got you into the raincoats, or is it just you're in London and it rains? It's, I mean, is, how, I did, how did that London, happen? I was in London, it rained, and these two young men who could print PVC came to see okay. me, and I said, okay. Is the right time, right place, <laughs> yes. and, and, and right design. And right design. Right, okay. The whole thing. The print yeah. was right, the, <laughs> the fabric was right, and it was the, a the design was right. 20-year overnight success in the making is what you're saying. There's a lot that led up to that. <laughs> so, so, okay, so you're, you're in London at this time, yeah. and... And you're working on your second, your next, your next, right. your next hit. Then. So then, um, I mean, I handed over the rainwear to them, and they, I did that for several seasons with them. Um, but meanwhile, I'd got into other things, mm-hmm. and that's when all these uh, prints that I, I'm showing you, um, I, I've started printing my own designs and doing, you know. Women's clothes, young young women's clothes, basically, um, and um, I mean went on from there. Then I got a small showroom in the in uh, Great Marlborough Street, which is just off Regent Street in London, and had my own studio there, um, and you know carried on really. So um, I guess what are some of the looking back, some of your successes, um, maybe personally to you, but also. I guess, commercial successes that you had well, outside I, of your first thing? Uh, well, the, obviously, the rainwear was what, yeah. what started it. I became very well known for, you know, separates in, in lightweight um, okay. things, pants with tops and all sorts of things. Um, and um, then I started doing um, crochets. My mother used to crochet and and uh, do beautiful stuff. So I've always been interested in it. And I got her to do me a couple of tops, crocheted tops. Now, was she back in India at that time? She'd come back to England. So you put her to work. Settled to England, yes. Your mom returns and you put her to work. Yes. (laughs) And so I got, uh, then I got some women who could make this stuff and I'd got, she would often do the original design for me. And I started putting them on chiffons. And jersey skirts. And uh, I then moved on to get backing from a company who had a big factory in central London. So you spent a lot of time, though, I mean, obviously, besides your own design and your own kind of vision of stuff, but you spent a lot of time in the business aspect of this. I mean, you were were constantly... How did you? How were you able to balance the two between being creative um, and the kind of? I found it exhausting at one stage, and that's why eventually, I um, this uh, company called DP Design. They had the big factory there, and he'd seen. I know he'd been aware of me for a long time, and said, "Why don't we back you?" Right. And so I went in with them, and they called it Hillary of London, but still with my own label, Hillary Floyd. And so, um, you know, I had shares and a percentage of turnover, like a royalty percentage of turnover, uh, which was actually easy and very good. And he was... So you liked that. I mean, that worked out well for oh, you. Oh, very well. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and then the business side was taken off me. Did you enjoy the business side for at least some point or was it always kind of a necessary evil that, you I know, th- to get this, you had to do this? Yes. I okay. think it was more necessary evil, really. It, it sounds like you navigated it really well, though. Well. For not not, having, not <laughs> yeah. having that, pa- maybe the passion, I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, that yes. that, that wasn't your drive. That wasn't your vision. Yeah, but you were able to handle a lot. I, I, I did handle it, but it was very hard work. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
Because when you're on your own, you're doing a collection, then you're manufacturing it, and while you're manufacturing it, you're selling it, and then you're trying to get money from your clients. I mean, that is quite time-consuming. Yeah, sounds, sounds endless. Uh, yes. An endless, an endless loop. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you continued on with that, and then you were able to kind of divest yourself of the business aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I guess... I guess, what other designs did you continue to work on? And you, you yeah, I did, I did a lot of prints and, and a lot of jerseys. And I started getting into beading, which is these are some of the first beading things I did. Um, and um, then I, which I did within the, the Hillary of London. Uh, and then I cleverly thought, I think I'll go on my own again. Right. Right. Um, which sometimes I regretted, but I did do well on it. Um, and I was, uh, my sister was still living in India. Her husband was running a shipping line, United Liners. And so I'd been back there, and a company who was doing some beading work in India, and they did saris and stuff, and who've now become very big, actually, uh, said, would I do why didn't I do some beaded tops or something? And so I started with a T-shirt collection and um, beaded tops and then did prints with beading on them, printed two pieces, chiffons. Um, And I was fortunate because I was early again and that took off, so... You were able to be ahead of it a couple times. I was a bit early on things. Yeah. Usually... Now, now, Just as it was coming in, I was aware, now, maybe. Why, why do you think you were able to be that way? I mean, just to be a little bit... <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe I've always been fascinated by fashion. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I'm also always been interested in art and interested in, I don't know, antiques and jewellery. And so I think if you're constantly looking at things that are happening, um, you pick up the mood. I think probably that's what it is. You pick up the yeah. mood early. So you're very fortunate to have been able to do that a couple and, times in your career. And- yes, and, and that one's mixing with other designers who are enthusiastic about things, you know, so you do pick up, and I knew quite a few artists as well. And- so what are some of the other... Um- I guess in London or anywhere through mm. your career, the, the other artists that you, I guess, mixed with or would get to know and talk to and, and stuff like that through your career? Um, a very close friend of mine was a man called John Plum who did very modernistic uh, okay. paintings. I've got several of his paint, quite a few actually, and a couple of huge ones. Um, um, I think he might have been one of my main influences. Um, and so what... How did, I guess, how did you take those influences? I mean, first, what was his influences on you? <coughs> and then how do you think that Maybe came Maybe something like that, influenced by John. Okay. So, I guess for the, for the audio portion, it's um, many different colors and designs. Mm-hmm. This was influenced by a painting of him, and I did a print around it. Okay. Right? How would, how would you describe that? Um, I did this on Jersey. Okay. And... Um, Basically, the, the print framed the figure. And he actually had a few paintings with that sort of feeling. Modern paintings, mm-hmm. but with sort of edges round and uh, 
empty central space. Okay. And I ended up doing a print and making clothes out of it. Nice. So not exactly his, well, you, but influenced by yeah, him. You're, yeah, once, yes. once you start getting a hold of it, it's yours. Yeah. And something, again, you know, he was into a lot of things like this, so I started drawing um, okay. interesting tops. Um, and things things like this top, I also... I, I did a lot of very amusing beaded tops. <laughs> this one is an admiral. I called the admiral. Um, <laughs> but I had fun, you know. I honestly did some crazy ones. <laughs> but you were just kind of following and some the of them impulse, sold, and people really liked it. Yeah, and people... some of them didn't, you know. <laughs> but I did have fun designing them. <laughs> so, so how would that work on something like that? When, would you do a limited number of something? Like when you said some of them sold, or would it be like mass... Well, I mean, some of my tops I might have sold, and some jackets I've probably sold nearly a thousand. Okay. In my when I was doing well, right? Yeah. Uh, others you might be lucky if you've sold ten, you know. And that's just the nature of the business, it's as far as the that. Business, you right. know. But if you don't experiment, you don't get anything exciting. If you don't take chances. And I often think because if you, because you've got something different, even if they don't buy that, they buy something that's a little more careful. Right. Because you're generating interest. And you you started your career off in the careful and just didn't want to be there. When you talked How about that you, you talked about that first business and you said it was just because they kinda of did boring oh, designs it was and so boring. So you're interesting you're keeping yourself engaged yes. through yes. this process too, yes. through 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 art and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so what is I guess kind of your um, what is your creative process for designing or creating something? How does that where does it start where does the idea start off and then how do you Implement that. I have a tendency to sit and draw. Okay, so you're just drawing. I, I'll get a load of paper and I start drawing and then things develop. I mean something like this drawing would then move on to different shapes, right? To a day dress using the same idea. So you just kind of have many variations and you just keep refining it then, in your creative process. Yeah. And then then perhaps I'd get, or there, uh, there's a beading on it, right, with the same feeling. And then I sit down and chuck, thing, chuck away everything I think's no good. Okay. Because not everything you're churning out is great. You're brainstorming at that point. Yeah. So, you know, you keep the things you think are exciting and the ones you don't think are exciting, you... you so, so, get rid of. so we're talking, let's say, the second cut. So you've gone through and you've drawn, let's say, six ideas. Yes. And one or two or whatever really captures your imagination. Right. Then what do you do? Then, um, I mean, I can cut, but I would get a pattern. I had pattern cutters working for me. And then I'd go ahead and cut uh, a pattern. Okay. Right? Have the pattern made um, uh, very often with a muslin, a toile. Then you cut it in the fabric. You've decided on various fabrics. Oh, I bought some fabrics to show you too, actually. Um, <laughs> no, I thought you'd be interested. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, then you choose your fabrics. Um, or you've decided on the fabric, actually, before you do the pattern, because whether you cut a chiffon or a jersey or a, a wool, it's a different process. So, so just like... Um this is maybe a, uh, an incorrect parallel, but just kind of like how a 
someone who woodcrafter, the wood will impact which the, wood you use. And same thing with your wood. with your yes. patterns is it's gonna it's now now you're gonna start that's gonna start having an impact on your design. That's right. And and what you can do. Yes, your creativity what you can from do that with point. It. Yes. And then you have your sample machinists make you make it up. I mean I can sew, but I always I ha- always had a small workroom. Uh, and then you get your prototype. So you So your prototype is, you know, one of these. So you quickly though had to be able to delegate some of your vision to other people. Of course. Yeah. Then- but one of the most important people is the patent cutter. If you had and I had uh, one girl who worked for me for, oh, my goodness, I still know her. Right. Uh, we're both in shock. Uh, I think she worked for me for 25 years or something. She'd go off, have a baby, and come back, you know. <laughs> You're making a connection with that person, and that yes. person's really helpful implementing oh, what you need. Yes. I was, uh, saw her in London uh, uh, 18 months ago when stayed went to stay with them, and she said, of course, you know, I could almost didn't need your sketch. You just had to say, remember, this is the one I want. This is what I want. And she said, I could usually do it. And I said, you're right. They were beautiful. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Do you still work with her on anything or just have I don't now. She's sort of more or less retired. She does lectures here and there. And, um, but, uh, yeah, very good relationship. Wonderful. So so now you've got your, your pattern cut or your pattern picked out and then moving along the process. Then you've got a machinist. The okay. fabric's cut, the dress is made, goes on the rail, ready to show. So how long does that process take from um, beginning to end? I mean, I know yes. everything changes, but... Yes. Um, usually making a prototype sample is a couple of days at least. Okay. Uh, and a pattern cutter will take a day. If it's a really complicated evening dress, so, but it can take longer. It's pretty tight, though. I mean, you're able to do this in oh, yeah. like a week. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. But then, you know, when when I was back, originally I did smaller collections, but we used to do 120 for a season. I mean, it's a lot of clothes. Right. You know, so... um, So now... Yeah. um, Jumping a little bit forward then, Mm. so how did you end up in the United States? Oh, well, that... As your eyes roll. (laughs) (laughs) That was a mistake. (laughs) I met my husband in the soon-come disco in Jamaica. (laughs) Who among us haven't been in Calcutta and Jamaica? And And he was an American. He was in the music business, got a divorce or was getting a divorce and had gone down to stay there. And uh, New Year's Eve. (laughs) And we sort of, I went back and forth a few times and eventually he came to England and we lived there for... 15 years, and he said I've, he got the opportunity to buy his grandfather's farm with a life tenancy for the old man and Grandpa Gatch. <laughs> and so, of course, like an idiot, I said, what a wonderful idea. <laughs> so what <laughs> so as he's got it, and then Grandpa popped off, um, <laughs> he said, I'd like to go and live back on the farm because I like to hunt and fish and... I'm fed up with the city, etc. So you, you moved from London, central London, central London to Brown County, County, Ohio. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's that's I know a lot of people do that. Um, so what what was, <laughs> what was that transition like? Though going from a, I mean, just simply city to country. I mean, that's right. Yeah. That's the transition. Getting at what was um, that like? 
I, I loved it for the first year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I went through the most terrible depression and found everything terribly difficult, you know. Right. And I'd still got my apartment in London and he was pushing me to sell it. And so I kept going back and forth and then letting it. And eventually I sold it. So you realized you had to make a break. and Yeah, which was another mistake because it's worth about five times what it was worth then. Right, yeah. just because of the, you know, the markets are and stuff. The market's gone nuts in England. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, so but I've been, you know, adapted. <laughs> and then I opened a small studio, but I didn't want to go into wholesaling again because, right. oh, I did some painting too. I paint in oils. Okay. So I did some painting first and a couple of shows. And I was a member for a while of the Cincinnati Art Club. So what um, what do you enjoy about painting? What, what does that do for you? I always have wanted to paint and never had the time. So you had some time and you were able to... Yes, and I like painting in oils, but preferably. Okay, so um, what, what did you... I mean, where are some of your paint... What are some of your works based on? Uh, I did a lot in the woods and things with strange sunsets and odds. And so you took advantage of where you were at? Oh, yes. You know, so and you I did some still lives of... I got very interested in pumpkins and squash. <laughs> Brilliant coloured ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've done some portraits too. Wow. Um, but then I found myself a bit cut off. Right. And I, then I took a small studio in Hyde Park Square. Mm-hmm. And I decided I would just do custom clothing. Hyde Park is in Cincinnati. Yes, as, <laughs> which actually is nice because I lived yeah. right next to Hyde Park in London, so it, it was in. a draw. Yeah, it all ties in on me. <laughs> and um, so then, you know, I kept that going for a long time and I've sort of semi-retired now. Right, yeah. right. I still do a few things So you some of my... Well, it just sounds like if history is anything, you, you're going to get back in it. That's just what you do. You get away, I, and then you're back in it, and you're, well, then you start running it. Then you, you can sell. I don't then, want to wholesale again because it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of work, and yeah. I'm too old. So you're, but you're. I mean, you're in it for your own creative process at this yes. point. You're able to enjoy. Uh, yes. yes, and I, I sort of doing. pick and choose what I want to do now. So I'm curious of what what advice would you have for someone who's going to go into design for a living i think that i've i've seen a couple of girls who've tried to just go in without knowing anything i think you really do want to go to a design school or an art school even if it's for just two or three years um because it does give you a basis you know and an understanding of fabrics an understanding of um just the process of, of designing and producing. Because just so. having the passion is not... I mean, there's so much I, there. Yes. The, I don't think it's enough just to draw pretty dresses. I think you've got to have a deeper Well, like you are saying earlier in our conversation, mm-hmm. I mean, if you wouldn't have figured out that you could use duct tape, <laughs> you know, on a, on a frock, that, you know, you'd have been... You'd have been in trouble. I mean, you know, like having that understanding of something that you could only learn going through the process of school. You you need, I I believe, I mean, I know there are people who've done it without, but I really do believe you want to go into a design school and and be influenced because you do get influenced by by other people uh, and you learn a lot from them. And surprisingly often, it's like when I was at Dior, I didn't think I'd really learned that much. I'd be doing yeah. sketches and bopping in and out of the design studio. But it, I did realize about six months later how much I'd absorbed. 
Just just living it just every day. Just by being there, yes. You can yes. pick up a lot. Now, out of the 12 people you went to school with, are you still in touch with any of them? I'm in touch with, well, one became the head of Royal College of Art, but I think they just sacked him, so... Um, <laughs> Um, of of the design school. Um, There are a couple of other, Brian Kemp, who was there, um, a few other people, Moya Bowler, who did um, Boots. She's still a friend of mine. So they all went on to have pretty distinguished careers unto themselves. Quite a lot of them did quite a few things. A lot of uh, the women sort of have done it or dropped out. Janice Wainwright became a a well-known designer. But she's retired now, you know. Right. Um, so, I mean, by now, by now, a lot of them have, have just stepped away or gone, you know. Right. Um, but a few of them carried on for quite a long time. Now, where are some places that your uh, dresses or designs have appeared? Uh, I've sold a lot uh, in Harrods, uh, John Lewis, Selfridges in England, a lot of small boutiques. Uh, Saks Fifth Avenue. Um, let's see, I didn't sell to Macy's at all. Um, I sold quite a lot, actually, on the West Coast. I mean, good shops on the West Coast. Um, and we used to sell in Marabeni in Japan. Um, and I had quite a lot of German customers. Most of them, not so much chains, but mm-hmm. but... You know, boutiques or stores, small stores. People had, seeking that out, though. Yes, two or three shops. Right. Um, that's my my usual smaller customer that had two or three shops. Now, were you featured on any uh, magazines? Yes. Okay, and where's some of them? Um, I've got that tape I can lend you. Okay, okay. Yes, with all my press yeah. things. Um, I was in, well, Cosmo is still going, Cosmo, Vogue, um, uh Lots of newspapers, Telegraph, Times. Now, was it hard to get Cosmo or Vogue or newspapers? I mean, was that a... Most of... um, When I was uh, with Hillary of London, he would occasionally pay for an advert. Right, right. But most of the um, things I've had were all... uh, the, The magazines came to me and, you know, took designs that fitted in with whatever they were doing, I suppose. So once you got that momentum... Yes, they, you know, people come in and see the collection and then they say, oh, we're doing something that right. this is perfect for, and they'll right. take that, take it, yeah. Right. Who are, uh, who are some people you design dresses for that we might know? Someone even like me may have a concept of who you're talking about. I've made, um, well, I have made Princess Margaret a dress, actually, and I made several dresses um, that uh, Princess Diana wore. Now, uh, mainly a couple of evening, but mainly sort of dressy, short, beaded dresses in now, chiffon. Now, how does how does that happen? Do they do they contact you, someone from the? She she actually came. We used to show in London uh, at the big fashion show at Olympia, and she would come around with a small entourage and walk around different designer stands and things. And she came onto mine once and said, oh, she thought this was lovely and did I do it and pinks and blues and things. And I said, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a conversation with her and then And you... then she turned up, yes. Okay. Yeah. And then now does, how does that work? Did you get a call saying, 
Well, her like a dress? Assistant, assistant said that we'd, she'd seen something and she'd like to pop down to the showroom. She was very casual. Yeah. yeah. So you, okay, so pop down the showroom. What, is, what does that mean? Does that, you'd st- she'd come down to the showroom with her assistant and a couple of other people or one other person. And then, I mean, to get fitted or is that? Yeah, first she'd choose it and then you'd make sure you got it for her size. Now, was that, was that more stressful or by this point... A dress, not a dress was a dress, but you know, you knew the drill. Yeah, well, it was, you know, nice, really nice, but it wasn't um, uh, my main focus of attention, if you know what I mean, because <laughs> we're making a lot of other stuff. Okay, so just kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, but we're pleased, really pleased to see you. you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Now, when something like that, though, someone famous and, mm. and a lot of people admires, did, did that impact, obviously, your business afterwards? Um. I think, yes, it helped. It helped. But I think uh, what we were selling, we were selling anyway. Okay. You know what I mean? Because I didn't do, uh, I did a a version of something we'd got, but I didn't expressively design a single dress for Mm -hmm. her to wear. And so how many did you do? Like two or three? Two or three, yeah. Yeah. So... um, so what do you think about, isn't, isn't there currently a tour of her dresses that are touring the world, exhibits and stuff like that? I think so, yes. Yeah. I mean, what do, you, what do you think of something like that? I mean, people want think, that connection. Um, I, I think it's wonderful. I th- but, I th- you know, I think it's wonderful that it's still carrying on after all these years, right. actually. Yeah. 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 Okay. One of her best dresses was a knockoff that Hatchie made, which was a copy of mine, actually, which is... <laughs> Who worked, he worked for me for two and a half years. <laughs> and you know the silver one-shouldered one she was seen with? That's mine. Oh. Yes. Mm, I was very cross with him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I understand, yeah. It's a famous, I mean, even yes, I who... A well-known know, dress. Even I yes. who know very little about fashion. I think even I had a visual of what that is. So that's, yes. yeah. So that's very well known. Um, anyone else? I've done, a, you know, quite a lot of English right. actresses. Uh, Patricia Neal, uh, quite a few English actresses. Yeah. Now, do you do you miss that part of it, or does it, it didn't really matter one way? I, or I always thought it was. I, I, it's enjoyable, you know. Yeah. They come there slightly flashy, and usually, and it's a story. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of it's nice. It's nice to have them in the showroom, and it gives gives everybody a buzz. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it creates know. an energy. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Just like you coming in today. Created a buzz around the library. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Hillary. Not at all.